Hello everyone, my name is Kevin Rognes and I am the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I just want to thank you for listening or watching to this on whatever platform you are and make sure that you're always hitting the subscribe button on whatever platform you are, whether it's YouTube or any of the major audio platforms. We're just very grateful that you would take time out of your day to spend some time with us. And so we just want to make sure that you are never missing any of the content that we put out every single week. So right now, we're kind of getting into our summer season, which feels a little crazy because it feels like we barely started spring. But um, in terms of church calendar, we are heading straight on towards summer. And with that, I thought it would be a great time to look into some spiritual practices. Spiritual practices are a variety of things that we can do in our personal lives, either on our own or with other people, to deepen our relationship with God. So we're going to be looking at a few of these over the next coming episodes. I'm not sure how many yet that we're going to do, um, but today I want to get us uh, started with a simple one that gets us focused on spending time in the Bible, and it's a method of reading through the Bible, and it's called dwelling in the Word. So dwelling in the Word is essentially an ancient practice, and it's a model of how we can read Scripture. It's a way of spiritually submitting to the text. So we are putting ourselves in submission to the text and saying the text gets to tell us what to do. So it's submitting to the text as one way that God speak to, speaks to us. God certainly speaks to us in a variety of ways, but through the Bible, through his word, is one of them and the one that we are focusing on with this particular practice. And it also entails a willingness to be shaped by what God might want to say through Scripture. So in this way, we, as the people, are being interpreted by the text together as we listen to it. So this is something that you can do on your own. This is something you can do as a couple, as a family, as a small group, whatever it is that you want to do with it. Um, It's very useful in a variety of contexts, which is really great. So essentially all you do is go through a passage of scripture. Um, It can be a shorter passage or a longer passage. Uh, And then you just pay attention and ask three questions of Uh, the text and of yourself. So those three questions are this. What grabs your attention in this passage? Is there a word that stands out, an image, an idea? Um, Is there an adjective uh, that makes you really go, wait, wait a second. Uh, For example, earlier today during our staff meeting, um, one of uh, Pastor Sarah shared a passage from Mark where it said that Jesus was indignant that's a really important word. So that first question is, what is about or what is grabbing your attention in that passage? The second question is simply, what questions do you want to ask? Now, sometimes that's going to be a question of greater understanding. So maybe you don't know all of the details of the historical context of the passage. Maybe you're confused by why uh, maybe one translation has this word, but another translation has another word. Maybe it's something, a question that you have about yourself. Whatever it is, ask those questions and give yourself space to do that. The last question of these three questions in the dwelling in the word method is, 
what are we hearing in this text that may apply in our lives? Another way of phrasing that might be, where might be the Holy Spirit be nudging us? So this is just kind of a moment of introspection and saying, what is this passage saying for me today? How is this relevant to me? What can I take from this? What is this passage saying to me or telling me to do? So with those things in mind, we're going to actually just do a brief dwelling in the word exercise right here, right now. So recently I've been reading through 1 Samuel, and so I'm just going to do a passage from the very beginning of 1 Samuel in chapter 1. I'm going to be looking at verses 9 through 18 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, just a little bit of context about the previous verses. Basically, um, there was a man named Elkanah who had two wives. The first was named Hannah, and his wife Hannah was very distraught because she had not yet had any children. And though Elkanah very much loved Hannah as a wife, he loved her deeply, he showed her that in a variety of ways, um, it was still very difficult. She was often uh, weeping, as according to the scriptures, about her predicament of not being able to bear children as of yet. So that's where we pick up in 1 Samuel 1, verses 9 through 18. On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget, forget me, and give your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. While she continued praying in the Lord's absence, or in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May the servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. So now that we've read through that passage, and when you're doing this, if you're doing this on your own, or with a group, you can read it out loud, you can read it silently, whatever feels best for you. Um, but now we ask those three questions about the passage. So the first question is, what grabs your attention in that passage? So for me, there were a few things that stood out. The first one that I notice is in verse 11, where she talks about um, she wants to be given a son, but if she is given a son, she will give that son back to God. 
that verse just sticks out to me so deeply because here she is expressing her deep desire to have a child. And at the same time, she's saying, God, if you fulfill this desire, I will return this gift to you. That to me is just kind of incredible that um, she would pray to have this desire fulfilled, but then also say, I am willing to give that desire up. To me, that just really, really stands out. I'm also struck by how Eli, when he sees her praying, he sees her lips moving, but she's not talking, and he kind of thinks, oh, maybe she's drunk. And I just thought that was really interesting um, because it just kind of conveys this idea that Hannah is out there just praying with abandon. She does not care what other people are thinking of her. She is just focused on her relationship with God, and she is just pouring out her heart to God. In fact, that's the next thing that stood out to me in this passage was that word pouring. I just I just have this vision of like taking like a big like pitcher of water and just pouring it out, just emptying it out. It's not like a a slow trickle of just like gently pouring a glass of water. She is just emptying out and it's just gushing out. So everything that's on her um, heart is just pouring out. And um, even that word, uh, I think it was in verse 16, um, she's pouring out from the depth of her anguish and resentment. That's a really interesting word choice because she is kind of saying that she is resenting God for not giving her a child at that point. She is just being completely honest about everything she's feeling, including feelings of maybe being upset with God and having resentment towards God. And she's just pouring it all out and giving it all to God. And I just think that's a really beautiful description of what prayer can be and what prayer should be. Then at the very end, when um, the priest Eli says, go, uh, the God uh, will hopefully grant your request. She goes away and she seems to have a little bit more peace. And I just found that striking because I think it's, we, we can often find so much encouragement from the community that we are in, which shows us the importance of community. It also shows us the importance of having wise counsel in our lives, someone wise to look up to, to hear what we're going through, and to help us discern uh, what may be next. So those are kind of the things that grab my attention, and that's kind of how I would address that first question of what grabs your attention. So the second question is, what questions do you want to ask, either of yourself or of the text? So one question that I had of the text is, she talks about um, being willing to give her son up to the service of the Lord if she's given a son, and she said, his hair will never be cut. What does that mean? <laughs> what is the significance of not cutting your hair? That's something that I don't understand in my context and in my culture. Um, I don't understand what's significant. So that is something that I would write down as a question and say, okay, I want to go look through some Bible commentaries to understand a little bit more about context, about anything going on with hair, because that kind of throws me off for a loop a little bit. So that's one question I have. 
The other two questions that this passage brings up for me are questions that I kind of have to ask myself. Because when I look at Hannah and she is kind of expressing her greatest desire, I have to wonder, what is my greatest desire? I'm not really sure I can identify that off the top of my head. So that's something that's really interesting for me to sit with and say, okay, if I were to be pouring out my heart to God, what would be the thing that I identify as my greatest desire? There's certainly a lot of things that I desire on varying levels, but what is the greatest desire that I have? If I'm really being honest with myself, what is that? And then, if I'm able to identify that, the last question I have is, am I willing to give that up to God? If God fulfills that desire for me, am I then willing to surrender it? That's another deep question to really sit with. So these are the kinds of questions that we can be asking of the text. We can ask questions to um, delve deeper into the context or the history of the passage. We can also ask questions that delve deeper into our own hearts. And whatever you kind of discern with God's leading about your own heart, that's something that you can pray about, journal about, share with others, whatever the case may be. So then the last question that um, is part of this dwelling in the word uh, method, uh, the third question is, what are we hearing in that text that may apply to our lives? So on the face of this passage, it's about a person named Hannah. She's praying for a son and she has this encounter with a priest, Eli, who gives her some encouragement. On its face, that has very little to do with my life. I'm not personally battling infertility. I'm not uh, seeking to have children. Um, I'm not in a place of feeling like God has denied my greatest desire. I'm not even sure really what my greatest desire is uh, when I boil it down. And so on its face, I don't really relate a lot to it. But then when I think back on the questions that I asked of myself in the previous portion, what are my greatest desires and would I be able to give it up? That for me is the place that it kind of starts to apply in my life. So I can really look at Hannah and say, wow, she is a really incredible example to follow. She is pouring out her heart. She's saying, God, these are the things that I want. Please give them to me. But then she's also willing to surrender that. I think that is just such an incredible example of faith. And so when I think about um, what am I hearing in this text that applies to my life, I wanna follow Hannah's example. I wanna be willing and able to identify what it is I want and pray specifically for that, but then also be willing to trust God enough to then surrender that to God if that is given to me. I just, I, I, that, that just really sits with me um, to think that, you know, you can identify your greatest desire, but then also be willing to surrender it to God. Um, I just, there's something really powerful that I just feel the spirit nudging me with that. I also am really struck by Hannah's, the way that she prays with abandon to the extent that Eli, the priest, thinks that she's drunk. I just think that's really interesting because so often we try to be 
you know, very composed and put together and all that sort of thing. But here she is. She is just, she's in a place where she knows she's visible. She's in a somewhat public uh, area, as we see. But she is just praying in a way that she does not care what anyone else thinks. She is only focused on bringing her prayer to God. And I think that's just a really powerful example uh, to look up to, whether it's uh, prayer or worship, just not caring what you look like um, or what other people might think and just being completely surrendered to God and focused entirely on that. So that is uh, a spiritual practice that we just did together. And that's something that you can do um, in your families, on your own, with a small group, with a friend, whatever the case may be. And it's a really simple method of going through a piece of scripture. Sometimes it's really daunting because uh, we look at scripture and it's this huge, thick book with lots and lots of words. And it can be like, how do I even begin to process this? I can just read it and that's great, but how do I actually understand or do anything with it? That's where something like this dwelling in the word method comes in. Three simple questions that you read the, simp the passage and then ask the questions. And those are, again, what grabs your attention in this passage? What questions do you want to ask? And what are we hearing in this text that may apply to our lives? Now, I want to be clear that this is just one method of Bible study and of reading the Bible. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of ways that are really great, um, really great ways to go through Scripture and have it impact our lives. This is just one method. Um, it's not the method that I use for myself all the time. I am more of a journaler, um, but I do appreciate this method because it gets me thinking in a different way and makes me more intentional about looking at individual word choices and also thinking more about uh, questions that I might have. So you can take what you will um, from this, uh, practice it, don't practice it, share it with a friend, don't. Um, I'm just uh, here to hopefully equip you with more tools to get into the Bible, whether on your own time or with other people. So if you have other spiritual practices that you would love to see covered in this series, please let me know. My email is listed in the uh, episode comments. Um, so please let me know. Or if you have any questions about particular spiritual disciplines, please let me know about that too. So Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, and I hope you have a lovely and blessed day.